Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Invasive Procedures, teleplay by John Welpley and Robert Hewitt Wolf, and directed by Les Landau. This episode aired on October 17th, 1993. That's funny. It's October 17th right now. Spooky. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> this week on Deep Space Nine, a desperate trill s- tries to steal the Dax symbiont. What will be? When I was just a little trill, <laughs> I'd ask my mother... What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Will I be joined? Here's what she said to me. All right. So invasive procedures. Was this an episode that you remembered from your first time through Deep Space Nine, Elise? Um, I say this with love. This is actually an episode I remember, but it's because of the super fake looking surgery scene. i do like this episode though but yeah i i it's funny i didn't remember how early in the show i had this memory of this like surgery scene where it just looks like this fake flap of skin and i was like oh this is that one (laughs) oh and like they uh i'm moving the symbiont and it's like trill how this kind of I don't know, it's almost like a marsupial kind of sort of pouch that, like, right. the symbiote where it houses and it's joined in. But, yeah, it's like a, it looks like a plastic blanket or like a vinyl blanket. That they Pretty just much. Kind of like hold <laughs> I was like, all right, that's cool. I couldn't tell if it was, like a, like, a choice or, like, that was the best technology they could come up with. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think lore-wise there is, like, like I said, that, and I mean, if, if there are any trail experts listening please feel free to to email us or tweet at us to uh expand our trill anatomy but like i think it's supposed to be like a a pouch that kind of like a joey pouch like in a kangaroo sort of like but i don't know i wonder who the gray of the trill world would be so that they would be like a that person's anatomy book about troll anatomy <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't know i mean i, I didn't like expect it. you to know <laughs> I, well i mean fair 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 fair, fair. um <sighs> but it's just kind of like i would like to read that book but i'd also like to like because when you have non-trill that then get joined with the trill symbiont like if there's no pouch, how does that work? Where do they affix? Like, right. And oh. like, I know obviously when the trill were introduced in in the host, I think it was, which is a next generation episode. They're quite different from what we think of when we think of the trill now. After you know, Deep Space Nine and things like this, there's totally. a bit of a, a retcon there. But then, spoilers for season three of Star Trek Discovery. Um, there's another human that joins with the trill. That is a joined that has a joined trail symbiont in in disco. So you know, I mean, I guess that's in the future. So maybe they've fixed whatever technological or biological issues would have existed. Right. Anyways, that's fair. Thank you for coming to Trill Talk. <laughs> I'm. I keep. I bought that. I listeners. I bought a book about Star Trek while I was visiting my friend in St. Louis recently, and I haven't really perused it yet, but it has a section on Jadzia, so let me, I'll look in to see if it says anything and report back. All right, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) This week we have Matthew McConaughey on our episode with us. Yes, he's uh, playing the bongos naked because the station's abandoned, there's a storm coming, we've battened down the hatches, and, uh, he doesn't want to be be disturbed. He's just hanging out playing bongos. Um, I have a question. Yes, please. Unrelated please. to Matthew McConaughey. Um, 
Is it just me, or do you also want to know more about O'Brien's brothers? Like, I'm so fascinated by O'Brien. I don't know why. Like, I want to know what his brothers are doing. <laughs> it's unlike, I mean, I have a different nominee that we're probably going to talk about here for, like, most Star Trek thing. But, like, I love when Star Trek does this, where it's like, oh, do you have any brothers? Yes, I have three. And then we're <laughs> never going to hear anything about them again, because it's just like a, a throwaway line. Right. And, like, it's 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 fine um (laughs) um did you also feel like this was like a backdoor o'brien gets beat up episode (laughs) like o'brien suffering i felt like he just kept getting beat up throughout the whole episode yeah yeah that's a good that's a good point and and it's like you know, it as as O'Brien's like the you know every man sort of character of the show. It's like, are we supposed to empathize more when it's like he's the person getting you know shot in the arm with the phaser, needing like you know getting hurt, as opposed yeah. to if it had been anyone else? For or what did they just view him yeah. as? I was gonna say, for what it's worth, I always empathize with O'Brien, except when it comes to if he's complaining about something related to Keiko (laughs) because I stand her so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've kind of danced around it before, but like, I think the show's treatment of Keiko is disappointing and they don't really like, yeah, I don't know how much of it is like, was Rosalind Chow's like schedule not being available for filming, but I'm sure if they would have given her, a bigger part and more storylines i'm sure she would have been available um no, did you like this episode sorry <laughs> go i'll let you respond to the other oh the, no the i didn't really have much to say i did enjoy this episode um it was fun and a little heisty which i like um i mean obviously i was not heist? although i a wasn't rooting heist? for the people that were doing the heist which usually in a heist movie you kind of are rooting for them to pull it off um so yeah it was like a backwards heist or something yeah i I really feel like it was a heist cisco's terry benedict (laughs) (laughs) oh my god speaking of soderbergh heist movies this is the plug for Logan Lucky, that if listeners, you like a good heist movie and you have not yet seen Logan Lucky. <laughs> I feel like you're just directly Lucky. talking to me. I might watch it. No, I'm talking to our listeners, Elise. I know, I'm, but I'm I literally said this week I'm probably going to watch that movie this weekend and I have not yet. So maybe I'll watch it when we're done recording. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it, there aren't many movies that feature Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, and. Elvis Presley's granddaughter. I don't Bradley really Keogh. like so. Channing Tatum. I don't know what it is about him. Sorry to the Channing, Channing Tatum fans out there. I don't know. I just don't get it. It might be... Logan Lucky might be um, one of my favorite Adam Driver performances, though. Just Oh, well, that's a good... Yeah. That's he's, something he's I really look forward to. And we all know I love Daniel Craig, so... Ah yes, Joe Bang. In in the news lately, as as they say. Uh, Daniel Craig. <laughs> I love how we're talking about Logan Lucky instead of talking about invasive procedure. I mean, we haven't talked in a while. That's probably why. <laughs> um. No, that's that's fair. I don't. I think the episode has good parts, but like I think. The sum of its parts are greater, like, some of the parts are greater than the episode. Like, the episode isn't greater than the sum of its parts. That's fair. Um, Like, I do think that Julian Glover as Varad, as our our guest actor and um, our guest star, is really good. I think it's an interesting Rorschach test of a... Of a portrayal of, you know, as we were talking kind of before the Do you the mean John of... Glover? Because Julian Glover John... is a lot older than John Glover. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. John Glover, not Julian. <laughs> uh... <laughs> we do like it's... Julian Glover, though, on this podcast, I think. Yeah. I I speak for, I hope I'm speaking for both of us. 
I need to have more of my coffee. <laughs> okay. It was okay. They have the same last name. It's fine. But no, um, John Glover's performance, I think, is, is quite is quite good as Varad, and it's an interesting Rorschach test. Um, as it specifically relates to two things, and I wonder if I can pick your brain a little bit about this, Elise. Um, as it relates to entitlement, and maybe mm. specifically male entitlement, but then also I had a kind of a, a certain... I'd say, as they say, about kind of depression and, and, and fixation when you're in depression and things like that. So I wonder if we could chat a little bit about, about Farad for a bit. Yeah, um, I definitely, I mean, some of the things he specifically said, like, I deserve this. Like, he was very, I definitely felt like he was an entitled white man who believe who like clearly the trill and then I obviously don't know the politics of the trill um whatever council decides who joins and who doesn't like we don't get that information um all we get is that Jed Jedzia believes in their methods I think that's pretty clear from this episode and I up, like, I, I don't think Jedzy has done anything to make me question her judgment so far. So I feel pretty confident, at least in this realm of, in this episode, that, like, the Trill people that decide who gets to join are doing it for specific reasons and looking for specific qualities before they decide. So that being said, he clearly was not good enough or not up to their standards. Um, so he's he's trying to steal, like, what belongs to Jadzia. And it really just reminded me of people that claim that women or and or people of color stole jobs from them. Um, people that are, like, complaining. And I've, I've had conversations with people like this where I'm like, what are you talking about? Where they're, they're like, oh, yeah, this 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 black man got this job instead of me. Like, that is a horrible perception because that doesn't tell me anything about your skills or the other person's skills, which is what should go into hiring. So they just assume that it was some sort of, like, affirmative action type of thing. So while Varad isn't saying, like, Jadzia got it because she's a woman, I still felt like he was acting very entitled, and clearly Jadzia was better skilled for this than him. Um, and I just feel like that is a mentality that we live with currently in our society, and I think it's always been there, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, yeah, I just think that there are a lot of white men that think that they're entitled to things and act as if other people being promoted or getting something over them means that they're getting less. Like, it's not, it's women and other, and people of color and any marginalized group has been given less than, so when they get you know, a fair shake, a lot of white men are threatened by that and think that it's not fair, but when they're, it's just the playing field's been evened, if any of that makes sense. I hear you, and I and I think you talk about that sense of, like, entitlement when those that are used to being powerful and, and and the default experience a quantum of the um hardships that others that that aren't you know that have that that have less privilege um experience i don't i don't think that i had the exact same read on Virad as you did like I think there's definitely 
some of the common elements in terms of like the entitlement, but I didn't have as much of a kind of like anti affirmative action read because like it wasn't the episode could have really easily had Varad pick Dax because maybe as as the symbiote that that he wanted to to be joined with, it could have like Varad could have been Jadzia's rival. Right. Um, I, can I, ju- I just want to I just want to back up for a second, real quick. I'm not saying that I think that that is who Varad is. His words that he used reminded me of people like that. I want to be a little oh, okay. bit more clear. Like, okay, that I deserve I, this I is things I've heard from men who feel the way I described. I'm not saying that Varad acted specifically that way. So I didn't oh, okay. mean to cut I you off, but I just want to, like, yeah. I don't think I was very clear. So I I just more meant he reminded me of people like that. Right. Right. And I, and I do think there is that sense of entitlement and, and he put in the work and that's all, like, there's a, a hyper fixation on being joined. And Varad has decided that he won't be a full holistic person you know until he's he's joined he's kind of i'm sure there's like an actual term for this that i i I don't know so listeners if you took more psychology courses than me um, <laughs> come holler at us on twitter <laughs> which um, will be more than me because i took exactly zero psychology courses it's it's like an idealized like he's like idealized or like mythologicalized i don't know like he's decided that like the one thing he needs is to be joined and then all of the, his hardships in life will be manageable or will be tolerable and it, it it's like that's not the case and that's not right. that's not um what's probably would would going to happen had he succeeded and and gone off into the the Oh, say the delta quadrant the gamma quadrant um being joined and, and things like that like it would have been different but just wouldn't necessarily have been better um and it kind of his desperation kind of reminded me a bit of how some folks like get hyper fixated on the one thing they can fix or perceive one thing they can fix right. um when they're like living with depression um so it's like, oh, if I could just focus on this, like if I can just like, you know, get my money back because, you know, of this customer service interactions, like it's not actually about the symbiont. It's not about, you know, getting a refund at the gap. Um, it's about the stuff that Varad isn't addressing and isn't looking at in terms of like his life and his own mental health and, and things like that. So like that was kind of my read there, but now I'm... I'm doing some introspection as we talk and it's like in those patterns that you described of white male entitlement, um, we're really good air quotes, good being bad um, <laughs> as a society of like making excuses for that type of behavior with things like, Oh, like, you know, mental health challenges are real. And like, you know, as someone who, lives with depression himself and like can find things like relatable but it's like that whole and it's something that we've talked about a lot on my Mad Men podcast is about like making excuses for the bad behavior of white men um so yeah I'm wondering if I'm doing that now no because I definitely didn't and I didn't read Virad how you described with the hyperfixation, but I like yeah. I see it now. Like, I completely see that now. Like, you're... I don't... And I... We said this before we started. Like, I don't think our reads are mutually exclusive. Like, it could be both no. things. And yeah, there's a... I definitely see where you're, where you're coming from. And, like, I see bits of that, for sure, in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, we kind of just dived dived in there, but I guess to, That's to okay. work back work backwards and kind of yeah. set the set the scene a bit. Deep Space Nine has been abandoned. They've batted down the hatches for the storm, and Quark, 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 
For the second time in a row, Rom got got to leave the station. Quark <laughs> stayed, but this time it's because Quark thinks he's gonna bring the ship in, do this illegal deal, and actually he ends up being an accomplice to this heist. Jadzia's murder, almost essentially. Right, and I really think I, I keep thinking. Well, first before we get into this, I hate the Rom disparagement that Odo and Quark do it and they're always calling him an idiot and it just makes me so sad but uh especially since rom wasn't there to defend himself we just he was just off screen (laughs) um so yeah so so quark's like randomly in the docking room which is totally sketchy and i i truly believe that if quark knew what these people were up to he would not have gone for it i mean he 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 likes jedzia i and I think she yeah. likes him too. Like they're—I mean, we don't see it yet, but like they are friendly. Like she doesn't talk to him the way Kira talks to him. Um. Yeah. 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 I did find Julian's cheerfulness about the storm to be very charming. Um. He was just like, "It looks so cool," or whatever he said, and that's like how I am. Like in the last year or so we've gotten some like tornado watches or warnings whichever one's worse i never remember and i'm like it's this is horrible but part of me is like this is so exciting and then i'm like is it really like people die in these storms like that's horrible um but i do find like thunderstorms to be kind of exciting and stuff like that so i i really understood um julian's like excitement cuz he probably never saw anything I mean, I don't know exactly what a plasma storm looks like, um, but I'm like, maybe it looks like um, that photo of, like, the northern lights you sent me the other day. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, um, it could look really cool for all we know. So, one thing I found... And, and I think oh, it... sorry. Sorry, I just saw on plasma storm. No, you're I think fine. kind of, like does and i think we're probably gonna hold that thought because i'm pretty sure there's a region of space called the badlands and i think we're gonna that's gonna feature in an upcoming episode oh, okay I think those are it looks different than what we saw today with the clouds and like the space lightning but right yeah i'm sure there is a strange beauty to that anyway sorry to, sorry to oh no interrupt. you're fine you're you're fine um i was wondering if you thought like okay so under the guise of this storm the some klingons a trill and i don't remember what species mariel was but they come i don't know if we ever got yeah i don't think so either and so they come aboard ds9 and i'm like okay can you cause a plasma storm or did they just luck out with like a good excuse of like why they needed help yeah so my my read was that like they planned it for during the storm but they didn't start the storm i don't think right so like it was like forecast i guess Um, (laughs) they knew it like it was coming because obviously there would have been the preparation time to evacuate the station obviously this was like ostensibly a more full evacuation than you know the one we saw last week when theoretically all the Bajorans stayed on the station, but then stayed in their rooms, um, as we talked about um, on the I last just, episode. But... I know I'm a few minutes late now, but like as soon as you said that, I was like, I get the news I need on the weather report. <laughs> like, I just started singing The Only Living Boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> um, apologies for singing on this podcast. Um, it, I know it wasn't great. <laughs> down to mexico i love that song so much yeah so i think that was like it was planned to be with the storm but i don't right. think they they controlled it i am um, the storm what is that from i can't remember i am the storm brother that's uh, oh i yeah i just watched when you're on throws you're on, um, yeah. i just watched the... um the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones again. So, yeah, it was Euron, as I was thinking of. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, so O'Brien pretty quickly realizes Quark must be involved in this because they're disabling securities and, like, Quark was in that area. 
Um, I do find, so Mariel's like, I guess, Varad's girlfriend or whatever, and they just have these two Klingon dudes that are helping them. Um, I guess they're the yeah. muscle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do enjoy, like, the conversation with Kira and Mariel, where Kira's, like, kind of asking her what her reasoning is for helping Varad, um, and she tells some, some story or whatever, and Kira's like, that's it? He got you out of a bad situation, and now you're willing to kill for him? It's, like, clear that Mariel seems, like, somewhat brainwashed to me. Like, I feel like, I don't know, it just feels like he's this toxic person that helped her, and now she's, like, it reminded me of, like, a cult leader, and that could be possibly because I've watched too many cult documentaries recently, <laughs> um, specifically the, the Nexium one in the last year, um... But yeah, it just felt like very creepy behavior of like he had his agenda and like somehow convinced this woman to like help him. And I'm not saying she's innocent in all of it, but like, I don't know. It felt icky to me. And like more icky as time goes on because he's he like you do start to realize he's kind of like in it for himself. Yeah, like, like I think... It seems like Marielle feels this kind of sense of obligation to Varad. And yeah, you just like have to wonder, like when Varad helped her out of whatever the the situation is. um, And I don't, I don't know if the episode specifically says this, but like, did you get the impression that it's like, was like sex work or some, something like that. I didn't get that impression. And no, okay. I also, but I'm not saying I didn't not get, like I didn't like yeah. think about it, but like looking back, did we ever find out like how long ago this happened? Like, could it have been something when she was like a child or something? And like, they've just yeah. been together since. Like, I wonder if she was just in a very vulnerable state whenever this yeah. thing happened, regardless of whether yeah. it was sex work or she was a child and maybe didn't have parents or something like that yeah although i didn't feel like like there was like a huge age difference between them so i don't that might not make sense but like i definitely read that there was one but i don't know like if it's been like i mean it could have been it's one of those things where it's like when you're 35 and someone's 27 that's not a big deal but when they're you know 25 and 17 that's a deal yeah no totally yeah i got you yeah, it could have been something um, like that. But yeah, but that that I think is where it kind of gets uncomfortable a bit too cuz like we the episode specifically like doesn't say and it's like where how much agency does Mariel have in her relationship for, with Varad and like what was the power dynamic like initially was Farad um actually just this nice guy that was helping her out and then they fell in love and or like was it something that had oh what am I trying to say if it was a like you said a toxic pattern yeah. that was replicated but was like better than it was before so it right like you know what i mean it's like staying with the nice guy because he's nice but has nice guys toxicity but also like it's better than like the no parents i had before or like the nothing i had before i do kind of wonder also like was had she been with him long enough where like she went through the whole like he didn't get picked to be joined thing with him or was like did they meet after that I couldn't get her. I'm not really good at ages, so I didn't know, like, how old he was or anything like that. Um, not that I... I don't know that it really matters. I know we're, like, really getting into the weeds on this relationship. Um, that's what we do here, folks. But, yeah, I was really curious about their backstory. Which, I mean, I know in the episode it doesn't matter and we'll never know. But it, I do get enjoyment out of, like figuring it out or trying to figure it out okay so assuming i haven't looked up 
the actor who played Muriel yet, but mm-hmm. when this episode was released, John yes. Glover was 49. Okay. So. I think go. he looked younger than that to me, but not by, like, yeah. much. Maybe he looked, like, mid four, like 45-ish, 44, I don't yeah. know. He definitely looks um, older than me, but I also have a baby face, so. <laughs> um, let's look. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like almost 20 years older than her, because um, Megan Gallagher, who plays Marielle, was born in 1960. Got it. So, would have mm. been, what, 33? So, like, 49 and 33? Okay. Oh, way to go, Hollywood. Ugh. I mean... <laughs> I mean, no. It doesn't really bother me that. that much, but it would no. bother me when no. they were younger, you know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was definitely. I do think when you make someone into an alien species, you kind of like remo- somewhat remove like the age discourse because like, or the age disparity rather, like, because you know you're putting all this extra makeup on them and like, I think what they kissed once, which like obviously is like physical contact and that could be icky, but like it wasn't like we like saw them have sex or anything i don't know if i'm making no and it, for and it, it's, but like, it's like it, it really too. didn't bother me yeah no and it's just like you know what if it had been the reverse thing if like she had been 20 years old i would have been like hell yeah that <laughs> you know what i mean it's like reverse the trope yeah um, i would love that as well um but all but yeah. of that being all of that being said i i do agree that like it, it kind of makes me question the the background and like what right. the context and like power dynamics and stuff would have been there. And it's really interesting because like a lot of the arc of how to get out of the problem rests with Ben mm-hmm. basically convincing Maria that like once Farad is is joined. Right he's going to change yeah and and, uh, yeah and and he definitely um and she says something like oh he he told me you'd say that so i do find that interesting like she thought she was prepared for that conversation and i mean benjamin's right and i do and i think benjamin also tries to like convince Varad at first like from like a friend perspective because he gets you know Jadzia and Curzon's memories um and so when he's joined he you know they have this huge past but I do think it took a really long time for that for Benjamin to kind of like convince Muriel like over the episode and I I do it is I don't really know what I was trying to say. I do find it is interesting to like for Benjamin to like be psychological in it where he's like trying to divide them up by like I don't know, I do I just like that he's using reason to to solve this issue. And what's interesting too is it's not like it's almost as if Varad Dax ruins it for himself because um, Muriel knows that Varad, the unjoined Varad said Cisco would, would say these things about how joining would, would change him etc cetera, etc cetera. and that so it's like she's so Muriel is like steeled and like you say is, is prepared for it and it doesn't phase her at first but what does phase her is when Varad is free, air quotes, of his lack of confidence and his, you know, anxieties and things like that as a result of being joined, he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe he didn't change. He just, I mean, it just kind of, like, he felt more confident so it was just like it was more overt dickiness instead of like subtle. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh I don't really want to do it. like you know what I mean. Right. Like, kind Although of... I feel like at the beginning when he was acting timid, he was just putting that on to like for their ruse of like who was in charge. Like they did try to pretend the Klingons were in charge. 
at first. So I think he just was a dick all the time is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Did you get that impression, though, at the beginning? Like, they kind of made it seem like he and Muriel were, like, just part of the team, that they weren't, like, the main... Because, like, the Klingon yelled at him. One of the Klingons, I don't remember if it was Yeto or the other man. I don't remember the other person's name. Like, kind of yelled at Varad in a, like, authoritative way. So it was, like, to confuse everyone about who was really in charge of their group. Yeah, it was the Tim Russ. It was the Tuvok Klingon. Yeah. Whose name I don't the remember Tuvok either. Um, yeah, I don't remember his what his name was. Sorry, Tim Russ. Yeah. We do love you, though. Yeah, speaking of which, this is Tim Russ's second appearance on on Star Trek. Uh, he was in a TNG episode as a human, Starship Mine. Um, was the second one, and then we would next see him in Star Trek in Voyager. Yes. Um, where he was a regular. I do think that after um, Varad was joined, and that scene where Benjamin's being like, um what's the word benjamin's being kind of like reminiscent with him everyone like kira and even mariel are looking like what the hell is this like you can tell they i i don't think they can tell that benjamin was like putting it on to try to like suede him into like giving the symbiont back like he was definitely trying to appeal to his to curzon really to be like Curzon, you're not the type of person that would do this, you know, and and use the past um, the past host's memories to make him feel like he did something horrible. Um, and then he, I mean, you kind of, at least for me, like, it seemed like everyone was, like, not on the same page, and then they realized, you know, because Benjamin's, like, maybe uh this is not what you should be doing like he finally kind of says like give it back or you know whatever he specifically says um i definitely noticed the varad starts talking differently um he's acting differently especially to mariel so it's it's like everything benjamin said to mariel like is coming true like that he was gonna change and all these things all these things and mariel like doesn't want to believe him but i i mean he's she starts to but I think she, like, her face is saying that she believes Benjamin and that she's seeing it, but her words are saying something different. And I think she just doesn't want to admit it to herself. Did you get that impression? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I just want to say one more thing before we, like, kind of dive into more about the symbiont. And I know we talked about um, Barad earlier, but um, I love, like, I don't know what's Quark's plan to, like, try to distract one of the Klingons and overtake him, like, I don't know what he was trying to necessarily do, like, but I just love that he ends up in the infirmary and has Julian pretending that it's way worse than it actually is. And Quark just does that, like, scream cry that is, like, the funniest (laughs) fucking thing. Like, how great is Armin? Like, I just... I love him. He's so melodramatic, and it's just very enjoyable. <laughs> I just really liked how it was like an it, this noise was so annoying, but I just liked it anyway. Yeah, that that like ah, like pain shriek. Yeah, I can't thing. even recreate it um, to be honest. Yeah, I can't really. <laughs> no, it's an armor was really was really good in this episode as he always is, but. I was like when I was like picking around on on Memory Alpha as one does before they record a Star Trek podcast. Um, <laughs> I this do is not one of Armin's least. This is one of Armin's least favorite episodes. Is it because, because there he... are no? Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say is no, it because he helps the bad guys? Exactly, and there are no not not that he because he helps the bad guys, but there are no consequences for Quark, and it's like it kind of makes an Odo look. Let, you know a little bit like a dum-dum and like all this other stuff so it's like the the lack of penance or the lack of consequences despite how disastrous quark's actions led to for everyone it's like kind of i'm paraphrasing it now but arm it's like it kind of 
weakens the character and the characters around him, right? Yeah. I do think, um... It's funny, because I don't know that he, like, redeems himself within this episode. Like, obviously he tries to help stop the heist, and he clearly cares about Jadzia, but, like, I have a feeling that they're not going to, like, address the fact that he helped these people um, going forward. Like, I don't, I doubt we'll see him, like, get in trouble for doing that. Um, I was impressed that he apparently knows how to open different safes. Like, so of course he does. Yeah. So he does let Odo out, which was, um, great. But I think the rest of that part of the, um, story should just be left for the end so that after we, for wrapping up. Do you have anything else to add about, like, the heist, kind of, um, and how everyone was reacting to it? Not really. I just think that, like, this was, like, a, and we haven't even really talked about her much yet this episode, kind of to our, our detriment 40-some minutes in. Um, <laughs> Terry Farrell was really good in this episode. Oh, totally. Um, I, I... And, like... Yeah. I guess we're and then we can use this as a pivot into some of like the more like yeah. more of the trail stuff. Um and it's kinda like we learn I feel like we learned a lot about Jedzy in this episode and like I feel like I'm starting to recognize Jadzia more than from some of the what the portrayals or what they were getting Jadzia to do in in season one, right? Totally. Um, I do. I I agree. I would definitely agree with that. Um, we learned a lot about uh, symbionts and Trill in this episode, as you said. Um, I I wonder how many Trills there are, because we learned that one in ten Trills are chosen to be joined. That seems like a high amount, actually, to me. Yeah, so hmm, we learn more about kind of the requirements of of joining and statistics and you know all those things kind of later as the series goes. So I don't want to necessarily get get too much into that, but uh, right, right. Yeah, it's it's there's a I think that my one of the big kind of lore takeaways as far as the trill this episode is like i don't think we met an unjoined trill yet in star trek i think we kind of assumed everyone was was joined until right this episode i don't know what um, i thought but yeah this was the first time that we met an unjoined trill just kind of out out in the wild um <laughs> and that like there's a finite amount of symbionts right that kind of right. like are in a pool that kind of i want to know where they out i want to know where they come from i want to know if you can make another a new one i'm like so curious i think it's just because we so, physically see it in this episode so like before i never thought about it and now i saw yeah. that like little creepy worm sorry symbionts, yeah it's a like, creepy it's, worms it's it's like a, a whole other other like form, right? Like right. It, yeah. Um, and it's the fact that like Farad chooses the Dax symbiote because he's researched, you know, the symbionts that are out there and their interests and their their lives, and he's like, oh no, this is going to be a good fit, and does that that work himself? The fact that like the symbionts are that. Or can be that distinct from the host, and like, yeah, there's there's lots of symbiosis lore we, we right. kind of get dr- introduced to in this episode. What do you think about Ben calling him out and basically being like, "No, you're choosing this one because it's right next to the wormhole." Like, I, that didn't Ben's thought didn't even occur to me uh, until he said it. Like, I really thought he like researched and did all this stuff, and then Ben says that, and I'm like, "Oh, I guess that makes sense," but like, it wouldn't have. I guess that's why I'm not Commander of Beef Space Nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do think it was like 
there was a lot of assumptions made in this, but I do think that Benjamin has to consider the wormhole in all of the things that happen here going forward on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think to kind of like, if we like to pick apart Varad's motives a little bit, he probably believes it's because of the mutual interest because he's like talked himself yeah. into this symbiosis he- symbiote heist right, right. No, when really it's like if it was a different symbiote if it was like jadzia tall um and the tall symbiote was in in jadzia and had totally different interests varad would have been like oh i love music and like, <laughs> blah, 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 right so right no totally that's really funny <laughs> Um, I just feel like I keep thinking about what it would be like to be joined and I just it feels like really stressful <laughs> a, a literal shock to the system for sure <laughs> um. oh there's a song like that that I am trying to think of that I can't remember it was like a pop song, which is not my forte. Anyway, um, I just felt really sad. Like, Jadzia is trying to explain to Varad, your life isn't terrible, which clearly she has no idea. But um, just to be like, you know, my parents and my sister are not joined, but they're still living productive lives. And I, the word productive really bothered me in this moment yeah because i hate that as a barometer for if a life is good or not i wish that they had said fulfilled or like fulfilling life instead of productive because productive makes me think like everyone needs to work which obviously we do so that we can pay our bills and shit but like that's not what's important to me so, like, I, yeah. I'm i not going to read into it, I think, but it really, like, I didn't like that that line. I wish she had said fulfilling. Um, but that's just a little bit of a nitpick. Um, but, yeah, that's when I felt like he was being a, like, entitled baby. He was like, I deserve more. And I'm like, do you, bruh? To, like, reference our friend Melissa, who says bruh, like, all the time. Um... I just was like, ugh. I thought the actor was good, but I didn't like Varad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we, d- during the surgery, which, you know, looks, which we talked about earlier, <laughs> um, we get to see more of Jadzia's trail spots. Listeners. All and the way Matt, down. Should I get troll spot tattoos? Yes or no? We should like put that poll out on the um I mean, I'm not actually going to do that, but I still might put the poll out for fun. Um uh, but yeah, this this surgery just looks so fake, but I don't really care, so it's like not that's not a criticism. I really found that I enjoy it. I mean, like, you say it's fake, but have you ever seen like trill like moving like a a, a, a surgical joining before i mean no, you're... So maybe this is this is exactly what it looks like all the time i don't know what you mean about it looking fake <laughs> <laughs> fair i guess um i i thought the best acted scene in this whole episode was after the surgery to remove dax from jadzia and she says it's gone and starts crying like and it just felt Terry's acting was so good in the scene you just I just felt her loss I never felt so empty like she just felt so alone because she was so used to and like she hasn't had the symbiote for like that many years you know and it just it's just amazing how once, I guess, when they said it in an earlier episode, like, once the 96 hours of joining happens, like, you're just one, and to take that away, I'm just glad that the trills don't die immediately once you unjoin them. 
felt so I just felt the acting was really good. I just really believed that she felt lonely and I really enjoyed um Julian comforting her. I felt that that was I mean, he wasn't really addressing the specific things that she was saying, but he was like, we're trying to make you comfortable, you know, I'm here, which is obviously not the same thing, but I don't think he knew what else to say to her, and I probably wouldn't have either. Well, how how do we get out of this predicament and then reestablish the status quo for next week's episode? Because we know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, I think Mariel realizes that, you know, Varad doesn't really care, is not really into her anymore. <laughs> He's just not, not that into her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do, you can tell he's kind of going through the motions. Like, he, he, like, he gives her that, like, I don't know if it was, like, a little peck kiss, and it just seems like there's no love or anything behind it. He... He just wants to go through the wormhole. And, like, she realized he would lie to her because the plan changes a little bit. But she still won't betray him, which I find interesting. Um, I feel like I am not a psychologist and I am not a trauma specialist. But it's, like, it makes me think of people that make excuses for their abusers and stuff like that. I will say that... I, on a more positive note, Kira saying, if Odo is free, there's no way you're getting off this station. What an endorsement. Like, I think rewatching this, I'm very interested, rewatching the series, I mean, I'm very interested in the character friendships and relationships and like how they start to where they end up. And it's just really interesting to me to see, like... And we've talked about this a lot, because obviously Kira and Odo had those whole two weeks before the Federation got there. Um, (laughs) Which we've, you know, debated whether they knew each other for years, etc. But, like, I do feel like the support that they have for one another is really amazing. And, like, I'm so glad that they're friends. And I forgot that it's... I, I'm sure I've said this before, but I forgot that it happened so early on and it's like almost from the jump, you know? Yeah. Um, it's if you're watching for the first time and you don't want spoilers, skip ahead 30 to 45 seconds. It's just really too bad that they ruined that friendship by making it a romance. I, mean, I, I feel mixed about it, but we will get there. We'll we'll get there. Yeah. Um, when they finally like catch Virad so that they can like knock him out and do uh, undo the surgery or whatever. When Mama said knock you out. <laughs> when he when he goes to like the docking bay or whatever, and his ship isn't there, and he goes to another one. To, I guess he's gonna steal a runabout or something, and then um, Benjamin's there, and he's like, "Don't call me Benjamin." Is it just me, or did you get real get-off-my-plane vibes from that? (laughs) Oh, totally, 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 totally. I was hysterical. Like, it just, like, screamed get-off-my-plane to me. (laughs) I kind of found it interesting how they did show Varad, like, after the surgery, being like, I feel so alone, and I'm like, I don't care. You deserve that shit. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One? Well, and just then what's... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you go first. I was going to say, it's just an interesting that, like, the episode at the ending, it's like, Jed Zia says that, like, Varad's memories are now with her forever because of that short period that the yeah. the Dax was, was joined. So it's like, Varad never... Like, it's like, does he then become, like, one of Dax's hosts, but not really? Like, it's just kind of, like, interesting to have to, like, Jadzia then and, like, the Dax symbiont have to then carry that weight, too. And, like, right. that kind of trauma, which is, like, really, that's that's tough. That's tough, man. I was pretty much going to say the same thing. I just, it's, like, obviously people hold on to trauma. 
but I wonder where it's going to be different because you can get all the therapy in the world, but with a trill situation, like it's with you physically with in addition to emotionally forever. And that just feels kind of horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Not only are you remembering the worst days of your life, but like the worst days of everyone else's. Yeah. And she mentions how sad his memories are. Yeah. And I feel like it's she I think she pities him. That he was so desperate and tried to do this heist and all this stuff. Like, he felt so incomplete, I guess. Empty spaces fill Hmm. me up with holes. Distant places with no place left to go. Okay, that's not Backstreet Boys. I don't think I have anything else to say yeah. about the episode. Okay. Well, at least I don't know about you, but uh, we just podcasted for about an hour. Uh, how's how's your throat? Are you feeling Are you feeling thirsty? I have I have been enjoying a cider donut flavored hard cider, so I'm actually not that thirsty this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do not require any Altair water thirst quencher this week for myself as well either. Um, yeah, I guess our other segment. Do you have any nominees for the most Star Trek thing about the episode this week? Um, I think you should say yours because I pretty much just co-signed that one. Yeah, so I think my biggest one was like, we just had an episode about the mass evacuation of a station and then triumphantly everyone returns and we're back to the status quo, the coup's overthrown and then come back next week and the station's abandoned again because of a, of a space hurricane. I have it's a question. Like, okay. When yes? they abandon the station, do they like take everyone to Bajor? Like where do they go? That would be, I think for something like this case, I think would be the most, reasonable and what would, would make the most sense because it's like what a right. three-hour shuttle ride away right so like um, does that mean that garrick is on bajor Ooh. maybe he's just hanging out at a different colony <laughs> maybe he's at a taylor's convention yeah yeah no that's, I mean, that's we haven't good, seen him a in a while thought. so he could well, be somewhere yeah. else yeah, maybe he's on holiday somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, I yeah, know and Garrick then my other holiday, he probably goes to Riza. He just seems like that type. <laughs> um, no, and I guess like I didn't put it in the the notes, but as we've talked, the other thing that kind of sticks out to me as the most Star Trek thing is you have this oh, Varad's memories are so sad, and I'll carry them forever. And spoiler alert, I don't think we ever think about Varad Dax or hear about him as a previous host or as a, as a Dax host, like, ever again. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, there, I mean, this isn't, I don't think this is, like, that spoilery, but there are episodes where we, like, learn more about Dax hosts, and I definitely don't yeah. remember Varad being mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So. I guess since Jadzia met Varad in person, I mean, I guess she met, never mind. She would have met Curzon. Yeah, that's before, what I realized like, before, before I, joined, I, yeah. That's kind of why I paused, because I realized. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hi, bye, Varad. <laughs> well, Elise, until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H. Remember, you can always email us at PodRates at gmail.com. Great. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcast the podcatching system of your choice. And thank you to DJ Empirical for our very groovy theme song. Until next time, computer and program. Bye.